What's up guys, Mike Lewis here, and welcome to the Mike Lewis Podcast. If you guys want to keep up with me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at MikeLewisOfficial, and you can follow me on Twitter at MikeLew52, it's where most of my updates come. If you're enjoying my content, give me a like and a subscribe, and without further ado, let's just dive right into this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode, and please help me welcome today's guest, Mr. Davis Mallory. How are you doing today, Davis? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem, no problem. How uh, how has this adjustment been for you? I mean, I know it's been a uh, crazy last year for a lot of people. I know uh, you're doing big things um, this thing this past year. Yeah, it's even well. Um, I've, you know, I think like a lot of touring artists, have not performed live as much in 2020 as I was accustomed to the years before. I had a lot of cancellations due to COVID and, you know, had to adjust to like a different kind of life in 2020, but I really enjoyed being out in nature more often. Like I live in 2020, I was in Tennessee pretty much the whole year. So I was like going out to see waterfalls and just like fishing and doing things more outdoors to sort of combat the things that were going on. Um, and then now that now that it's 2021, I've been spending a lot of my time in Miami uh, and really enjoying life down there. And I'm also starting to get booked back up again. So I've been touring again, both as a singer and a DJ. And this year I've been, I played in Las Vegas and Colorado and Nashville and Kentucky, LA and Miami. So I've been pretty... Like traveling a lot, which I enjoy. Like that's something I love about being an artist. So, what's uh, what's your favorite location that you've traveled to thus far for uh, music purposes? Um, I shot a music video in the Las Vegas desert about two weeks ago, and I DJed in Southern Utah, and it was a geography I had never seen before, and I was just really enjoying like studying like seeing like wildlife, seeing the desert and the mountains. I thought it was so gorgeous and I want to go back soon. And it looks like I might be going back in the end of the June to DJ again. So I got asked to take part in the first virtual pride for a virtual reality event that's taking place in Las Vegas. So I would be like virtually DJing the final weekend of June to help. So is that like a uh, is that an event for like all reality stars? Like they're gonna because you mentioned uh, virtual reality, or is well, it, it, I think they'll probably have other reality stars there. To be honest, I don't know who else is on the bill, but it's virtual reality in the sense that people can like log in on their computer and use virtual reality glasses and experience a pride festival around the world through like you know 3D virtual reality. Not necessarily like reality. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did uh when did music become your thing though? Like, was there any particular moment when it just hit you and you're just like, I think this is what I want to do? Did you was that any thought process for you? Like, while you're trying out the real world, or was that just something that you picked up after your time on TV? Well, I mean, I, I wasn't really talking about it on TV, but I came from a strong music background in my family. My dad's brother is a songwriter who had written songs for Winona Judd and Sixpence on the Richer. Uh, his specialty was both country and Christian music. And that was even, that was like when I was a baby, he was doing that. And then my dad's sister married an artist manager for Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, which are top Christian artists. So throughout my childhood, music was like a big family business like I was going to concerts a lot as a kid and getting um you know backstage passes to meet the artists that my uncle managed uh Nashville is where both of those uncles live my dad's brother and dad's brother-in-law so I've been coming to Nashville since I was a baby and my mom had put me in piano lessons and guitar lessons and choir throughout my childhood and in high school I sang in my church choir and I auditioned for and was cast in a 
kind of a acapella group. It was four or five guys and four or five girls. And during my time on the real world, three of those guys really pursued their career in music hard and saw a lot of success individually. And I think I saw that after the real world ended for me and was like, that's really what I want to be doing. I was like watching my peers have success. And I was a kid that dreamt of being like in NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. And kind of when the real world was over, wished that I'd maybe done a different show entirely because that show didn't showcase anything musical about me. And I wish that I'd done something maybe like The Voice or American Idol to showcase myself singing. Uh, and not to make this a long story, but like after the real world was over, I started pursuing music business jobs and I ended up getting a job in a, at a record label in New York City. Uh, it's the label home of Paul Z right now and it's called Astral Works. And that was the year I started to DJ and then started focusing on songwriting. And then when I left that job, I moved to Nashville. And that's kind of leads to where I am right now. Like spending most of my time in Nashville and writing songs and performing. So that's kind of the, the quick version. Mm-hmm. So did you try to get away from, uh, per, per se, like your time on TV when you were getting into the music industry? Because I know it's different for a lot of people. I know, um, you know, Mike Manning, who's an actor now, he he did The Real World. He said for a while that um, he intentionally wanted to leave the uh, whole reality television thing on the back burner a little bit because sometimes it carries a little bit of a weight and a stigma to it when you're trying to dip your toes into a different field. Does that not really apply for uh, artists and musicians? Not as much, say, as uh, an actor? I think it does. I mean, there's been a couple of times in my career where I Sorry, I don't know if you just locked me, but someone called in and I had to hang up the call. Yeah, no, there was, like I got approached to do a couple of different reality projects in the last few years, and one of them was like the sequel to. It was like a dating show for men, like an LGBT, you know, gay, men only dating show, and I was asked to be on that show, but you know, chose not to because it, I felt like it wasn't going to be really focusing on my music career at all and felt like if I was going to do another reality project after the real world, I wanted to make sure it had a music element to it. Like Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson's sister, did a show when I was a child all about her in the studio recording music and writing. And I really, if I wanted to do another reality show, I would want it to be more like that where it showed myself working with different artists because I write songs with really interesting artists who end up getting record deals and starting to get success in their own right. So I thought it'd be interesting to show like who I'm working with. And I've also written songs in Europe and LA and New York. So maybe like my travel, travel diary. If I were to do another reality show, that's what I would want it to be about. So I'm not opposed to reality. I just don't want to do stuff that doesn't showcase, you know, my music. Right, right, yeah. And uh, for those listening that don't know, actually, Davis had one of his songs featured on a uh, challenge episode a couple years ago for uh, War of the Worlds 2. And uh, I wanted to know, too, because oftentimes we see kind of certain cast members, like, from the past kind of just, like, fade into, like, you know, a distance away, unless you're still doing the shows, like, say, Bananas or West. So I thought it was really cool to kind of, like, uh, pay a homage, in a sense, to one of the prior cast members, in your case, uh, featuring one of your songs. Um, what, was, uh, what was your initial reaction when you uh, found out that your songs would be featured? Yeah, so I took a meeting with Buna Murray's music team, and they told me that they like to kind of, like, give back to the cast uh, and, well, you know, would gladly put my music on the show. And uh, they've used two of my songs so far. One of them was on a different show entirely that they produced about, actually about drag queens called Growing Up as a Drag. Uh, they used my song Sun and Moon. Um, and then they used my song Shirtless on an episode of the Real World 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 Challenge. And that was for me was such a cool moment because I, you know, I wrote that song and Sweden and it's on my latest album called Little Victory and that song is about you know being shirtless and seeing other people shirtless and having great bodies 
and they used it in a scene, a montage of all the different guys from the show shirtless at the pool. Um, I was really excited about it and happy that that happened. Another moment that was interesting for me was that when I worked at that record label I mentioned earlier on, just last year, they put a different song of mine called Believe in one of their record label playlists on Spotify. And that for me was like a second moment in my career where like my past was being, my music was being like acknowledged by my past. Wow. That was really, really rewarding. Like I kind of got tears when the second thing happened because I worked at that record label dreaming of one day like being an artist myself. So to have them acknowledge my music in a big way like that meant in both instances with the real world and with the label, it meant a lot. Yeah, no. And uh, the whole, uh, you know, shirtless thing, obviously, like with um, that playing, I've, in my opinion, it almost feels like your situation coming full circle, you know, like starting on the real world and then venturing off and doing your thing into music and then to kind of have them both tie together like years later is like a really cool and special moment I felt, at least in for yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But uh, I want to bring it back a little ways, though, and uh, kind of talk to me a little bit about what you were up to prior to real world and then kind of leading into your casting story now, per se. Prior to Real World, I was at college in southern, mid, kind of middle Florida at a school called Stepton. And it's in Delange, Florida. It's a small school. There's like two to 3,000 students. Um, just this year, I've actually like reconnected with some of my college friends, which has been a nice, like, taking me back to memory lane. Um, I DJed in Louisville, Kentucky during the Kentucky Derby for a girl that I actually, I'd forgotten that we had gone to the real world audition together, she and I, and now her parents own a members only like cigar and whiskey uh, club called the Louisville Thoroughbred Society. And she had me come and DJ for the Kentucky Derby and we got caught back up on remembering when we'd auditioned together and that whole experience. And so yeah, I, I auditioned during my senior year of college I had just, like, freshly come out to my classmates and thought that, you know, I'd wanted to be in the real world since I was a high school student because I loved the show, but didn't feel like I had really what it took to get on. And when I came out, I thought, well, you know, they always have one gay character. There's probably a good chance that I could get on as the gay character. And so I tried out in Tampa, Florida. And I've told this story before, but I don't think originally they found me interesting at that, with just that alone. And they didn't really, they being the casting director, didn't really like rush to be like, oh, we want you on the show. I had to sort of kind of like convince them that there was interesting stuff about me. Um, and then they, then they kind of got hooked and they wanted me on the show. And then my mother didn't want me to do the show. So I had to call them and tell them, hey, like, I can't be on the show. My mom doesn't want me to do it. <laughs> and then they started calling me, trying to convince me to continue on. And, and that's when I knew that I kind of had it in the bag, so to speak, because the, the high-up director of the show gave me a phone call and was, like, trying to talk me into continuing on with the show. And then I, I was like, okay, I, I got this. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so I spent most of my last year of college, like, going through the many different stages of auditioning for the show they make you i had to do three different in-person auditions one was in la one was the one in tampa i mentioned and there was like a kind of a semi-finals one in atlanta and then they called they called a bunch of my friends for testimonies about me and then they made me film a day in my life which was like actually more like a week in my life and yeah, they, they wanted me to talk about pop culture and to see how, you know, how smart I was or how knowledgeable I was about pop culture events. And they, I feel like they tried to make me angry in the audition so they could see what I was like when I got mad. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an interesting experience. What I got you? the, oh, sorry, I was going to say that I got the call to be on the show within two weeks from graduating college. So I, I had my graduation and then two weeks later I was like filming that show. So it was good timing for, for me to finish school. So, sounds like a really good uh, graduation present then, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do you feel like uh, your mom didn't want you to try out, though? And then, like, after the fact, did she still feel the same way? or what? She, she, she got, like, 
opinions from other people who were saying the show was kind of trashy. And my mom always wanted me to be a doctor. And during college, I was pre-med. So she felt like the show was going to hurt my ability to be a doctor. And um, thought that, if, you know, if, if I did, like, wild, crazy behavior, that would hurt my medical career. But I never became a doctor, so maybe she's right. Yeah, because I oftentimes feel like uh, Jersey Shore and the real world are, like, kind of, like, not tied together, but, like, tends to be a misconception, I guess, maybe, that they're similar. I've definitely Jersey back in the day. Yeah, Jersey Shore is a lot like the real world. It's just they brought those cast members back every year, and they didn't bring us back. (laughs) (laughs) Same kind of show. Yeah. What did you uh, think of the Denver location? Um, did you like that it was, uh, you know, shot in Denver? Like, what was the location like? Yeah, when, I remember when they told me that uh, it was going to be in Denver, I was excited because I had been one or two times in my childhood. Uh, I'd gone on some, like, camping trips out in the Colorado Rockies and thought it was such a cool city. Uh, but I didn't know it very well, so I wanted to, you know, know it more. And the house was like kind of patty corner across from their baseball stadium but sadly we were never allowed to go inside of it because the logos logos were always a big deal in the real world they tried to avoid filming anything with the logo on it because they would have to clear it so like our clothing and our beverages couldn't have any logos showing so we were never able to go into the baseball stadium but we were directly across from the street from it and we were they gave us the first day we filmed they gave us like a a phone book of places they had pre-cleared that we could go to. So every day we were trying to explore new places. And um, and then if you watch the show, you probably remember we went camping in the mountains about four different times, which I enjoyed because it was like out in nature. We would make our own food and drink, drink the water from the streams and go hiking. Some of my cats didn't like it. Like the girls sometimes didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Even, some, even some of the guys didn't like that part, but... I really enjoyed that aspect of Denver. Yeah, because, like, I'd probably say between, like, the last year or so, like, I've, like, constantly, like, been on my mind. Like, I'm, like, once I'm, like, settled and I want to live in, like, a location where, like, I've already done everything I want to do in life and I just want to chill, I think Denver is, like, the place where I want to go. It's my kind of weather, you know what I'm saying? Like, would you recommend that? Oh, yeah. I just went back to Denver last year to DJ and... I was like, this place is amazing. Like, geography is stunning, and the people are really cool and happy. Like, there's a lot of young people there that want to be outdoors and get, you know, do outdoor activities. So if you like to ski or go rafting or hiking, there's just a really good group of people that live there. Um, And I'm going back at the end of this month in June to DJ, and I'm excited to be back and just spend some time there because I love that city. Wow. Did you feel like, um, you know, you, you came across well, like, on camera and all your shows you did? Like, do you feel like, because um, I personally feel, I think a lot of people would agree with me, that uh, you came across as, like, a very authentic character. And I think, like, one of the main uh, issues nowadays with some of the shows is, like, people feel like because some cast members know the cameras are there, and they intentionally do things a certain way. Do you feel like you gave, uh, you know, your authentic self? And do you feel like doing stuff for the camera is a real thing in other people's cases? I mean, when I watch the show now, I see myself and I cringe at a lot of the things I said and did because I think I just got caught up in the show and being, you know, there's like an egotistical side of, I think of anyone who's being put in that position is going to become a little more egotistical than they probably were before they did it. Like, you feel like you're super special because you're put into a reality show and there's a lot of attention put on you and I can see that in my behavior like and I don't like that about myself also I don't drink alcohol today but back then I was heavily drinking so some of the stuff I did while I was drunk I just I can't even watch anymore um I mean yeah I don't really think I was like an angel or perfect at all and I and I know that I wasn't I mean I was 21 when I did the show and I'm 37 now so I've grown a lot in so many different ways, but 
I mean, I tried to, I mean, I was raised in the church and I was raised to be like a forgiving person and to try to, you know, do to others as you do to yourself. I was raised with a lot of Christian principles. So I always tried in any scenario on that show to be the best person I could. And if I made a mistake, to admit my fault and ask for forgiveness of others and to learn from it. So I think in that way, like, I, I'm proud of my behavior because I definitely did things I regretted with each of my cast members. I mean, I fought with most of my cast members, um, and I did things I regretted, but always tried to make... And, and I think that's the way I'm friends with a lot of my cast members today. Like, Tyree and I are so close, and Brooke from the show is one of my closest friends. And I saw Coley in New York uh, the last time I was there. I saw Steven when he was here in Nashville. The only ones I haven't seen in a while are Alex and Jen, and that's just because of geography reasons. I don't I don't even know where Alex lives, <laughs> and I haven't seen Jen in a while just because we haven't been in the same city. But, I mean, we're all, I'm friends with all my cats for the most part because of, you know, admitting my faults and making, trying to make up with them for different things I did wrong, and that is something I'm pleased with. But I do cringe when I watch the show sometimes. I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or said that. <laughs> Does uh, your time on the show contribute to, like, why you specifically don't drink anymore? Or? I mean, a little bit. I mean, a lot of things do. My, my father doesn't drink alcohol and hasn't for about 10 or probably close to 20 years now. Um, and I knew that when I was younger, alcohol was a bit of a danger for me because my mom was like, if you're, if you're anything like your father, you shouldn't drink alcohol. Um and when I went to college, I would drink and pretty much always would drink too much and be that kid at the party that wakes up in the morning and he's like, what did I do? And then I would hear some story from one of my friends and be like, really? I don't remember because I would start blocking out. So throughout most of my like uh, 20s, I was just trying to combat not reaching that level of drinking, you know, and just drinking beer instead of liquor or drinking you know, to the point of getting buzzed, but then stopping myself. So, and I was pretty successful with doing that for a while, but then I got a DUI one night when I drank too much, and then I regretted that, and then I got in a fight with an ex when I was drunk, and, and I regretted that, and the fight with my ex ended my relationship, and that was a relationship I really wanted to go the distance in, and through that moment, I quit drinking and never drank again after I fought with one of my exes. Because I, I was 33, I think, or 32, and I was just like, this is going to just continuously cause problems in my life unless I stop it entirely. And I went to some AA meetings and some therapy and read books about it and realized that, like, if you don't want to have, you know, drunk regret, don't drink at all. And that, was, that became my mentality. So now I've been four years without a drop of alcohol or, or drug either. Um... And I just became so much happier and healthier and, like, zen and more, I don't know, not, not necessarily wise, but just, like, I, I feel like I'm taking and I'm seeing the world in a different way. And if I'm angry or if I'm mad or if something bothers me and I'm not drinking, like, I don't use alcohol as a way to deal with that emotion. But then I, I don't get, you know, the situation doesn't get worse. Like, let's say I'm mad about something and then I drink, then I might fight with someone that night, you know. I just yeah. avoid, I avoid moments like that in my life. Um, no, that's definitely great, and um, you know, I have to imagine that like back when you were on the shows, because cast members always tell this these stories on here. They had you guys pretty much like they're pretty much paying you guys to uh, drink in a way, right? Because they had you guys going on like all those appearances at like bars and doing spring breaks and stuff. Were you uh, going on those as well? It, yeah, I did a bunch in the first year of the show, and they would get about a grand, four grand the most we paid for those and yeah you're just sitting at a bar and getting bottle service and then pouring shots down people's throats and like taking pictures of people in bars so that was like a drunken chapter of my life that i don't really look back on with like any content or even a lot of memories of because i was you know heavily drinking this and the show itself like the real world doesn't give you free alcohol but the challenges do because they put you in a city, often in the remote jungle or, like, an island where there isn't access to stores and bars. So if you want alcohol, they've got to go buy it for you. And they, they stock your fridge up with wine and beer and whiskey and whatever you want. So they are giving you alcohol for free on the challenge. 
for some reason on the real world they they didn't they made us pay for our own alcohol. Wow. Um, but we were more in a civilized society where we could just walk out the door and go to a bar and we didn't have to ask them to drive, you know, down a mountain and go get it for us. So I think that's the reason. Did you have uh, any challenge aspirations uh, after Real World, or was that not in your thought process? You know, I, I like, weirdly told myself I would do three challenges and no more than three, and then, and I did three. I did the Inferno three, which was the first and the longest challenge that I lasted on. I was there until the last week. CT punched me in the face on his first night there, and he got kicked off for doing that, and I was on the good guys team, and that was my favorite challenge even though I got punched in the face um then I came back for the the duel two in New Zealand which had a great cast of people I got to be on there with DM Brown who I was a good friend of that was my first time doing a challenge with DM and I when she passed away I let I later wrote a song in her honor in her memory called beautiful girls DM song and I just loved the cast I got to meet Landon who I was a fan of um I think who else Ace Hammerson from the Real World Paris. I was a big fan of his, and he was on one of those challenges with me. But by the time I did my third and final challenge, I truly just lost my joy in doing them, and I was only there for a week and was so happy to go home. I did the um, Rivals with Tyree as my rival, even though we were friendly and our friends today, but they just paired us together as rivals. And we got sent home first, and it was in Costa Rica, and at that point in my life, I was, like, on the older end of the spectrum, and the cast was heavily younger, real-world kids, who I lost that, like, I lost that fan element, where, like, when I was younger and I was meeting older real-world people, like, I was a fan of theirs. They were, like, heroes to me. But when I was older and they were all younger, like, I was very seldom a fan anymore. And <laughs> sometimes I'm still a fan of different people from the real world, because they have these larger lives you know, personas, but more often than not, I, I kind of, I feel like they're like a little kid, you know, so that challenge for me was just like, I was around a bunch of younger kids, they were 21, and I was ordering 30, like, maybe I was 26, 27, 28, I don't know, but I just felt like I was like done with that chapter of my life. Now, I there's a rumor that I might be coming back to do the, what is it, the OG, or the one that's on Paramount. They've just been asking me like to tweet about it and to promote it, and if that happens, I might probably would come back and do it. Just because it's been long enough that I might enjoy it all over again. But at that stage in my life, when I did my last one, I was just ready to not do them again. And I and I took that job at the record label that I mentioned, and that that job asked me to not do challenges anymore if they hired me because they couldn't give me that break from my job to go film a show for, you know, weeks or months. That's actually a really... Wow. That, that's actually a really interesting... an interesting point that you uh pointed out because usually like when people start or stop doing their shows rather it's maybe not on their terms maybe they just like you know don't get the final call or like you know they just decide they want to stop doing it but that was a really interesting point that you just pointed out it's usually it's like the older ones that are still doing the shows kind of feel like this sense of like you know they never want to like go because i feel like they're they feel like they're on top and they want to like keep that throne but in your case it's like almost like a been there, done that situation where it's like, it was cool when I first came in because I was a young gun. I'm meeting all these people that I once looked up to, but then it's almost like, and this is going to be a crazy analogy, but it's almost like if you're, um, say if like you're like 30 and then you like accidentally run into a bunch of people that were like your freshmen in like high school. And then you kind of feel weird about the situation. That's kind of, uh, 
similar to what um you know you just described in my opinion yeah and, and i was also starting to get sober and i think i was sober on the, my final challenge which made it not fun because when everyone's super drunk and chaotically fighting and you're sober like you don't want to get involved with that stuff so i i didn't get on tv very much that challenge and when drunk stuff was happening i was like avoiding it you know i think that show like you have to be kind of drunk in order to take part in the fighting aspect mm-hmm. the show is the show is based around fighting you know in a way so were there there were no other close calls for you then after that right because there was there seemed to be a rumor that uh the very next season you and uh ryan all almost ended up on uh exes together you know i mean he, he wasn't an ex I, I drunkenly kissed him on the duel and became friends with him and stayed with him in new york a couple times but like romantically didn't date him and i did get a call to be on a challenge it probably is the one you're talking about, but then I didn't get a second call, and I never looked into which challenge it was or why I didn't get a second call, because that happened to me a couple of times, where they would reach out, ask my availability, then I wouldn't hear from them, and I just went back you know, around my life and just kept you know, moving my life forward, so maybe that is the one you're talking about. But he wasn't really a true ex. There, there's a lot of people on the real world that are paired up with people that are not really their exes, but you know they had maybe kids at one time on the show. So yeah, that just yeah. Uh, criteria to fit the theme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did uh did you get called for the All Star season? This uh well, one? yeah, that's the one that like they started reaching out to me, like Mark Long did, and asked me to promote it on Twitter and share it, and they wanted me and Brooke to potentially go on it. And then didn't, and then I heard, well, I, so Ruthie specifically really wanted me to go on it and be, like, on her side of, you know, be her teammate or be her ally, so to speak. And then they didn't put me on, and she was she was probably more mad about it than I was mad about it because I think she was looking for me as a teammate for herself. But uh, I asked them why, and they said, well, if we do a second round, we'll likely uh, put you on for the second season. So maybe, maybe it will happen. Wow. Well, that's actually ironic because Ruthie was actually just my very last episode uh, a week ago today. So that's actually really, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I heard that uh, calls started going out and that apparently the season's going to start filming in August. But it seems like from, you know, the grapevine and just general consensus, what I'm seeing, most people would probably go out on a limb, not even a limb at this point, and say that the uh, All-Star show has been way more enjoyable than the uh, main show lately. And I have to say, like, I'm probably one of those people as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like watching the old school, real world people. It's what it, the show started from, and it departed greatly with all the, you know, people from different different TV shows. But that was also a cool thing to see, like, well, I think they had Cardi B's sister on one year, and, like, uh, just having different people do it was also cool. So I wasn't opposed to adding different TV shows to the content. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, it, it is cool to get back to the original concept. Yeah, well, I mean, I think from a fan's perspective, they like nostalgia and they like stuff that they're familiar with, you know, like sometimes... Yeah. You know, people aren't always so open to change, I feel like, so maybe yeah. that plays a part in it. Yeah. But um, you mentioned about the uh, CT fight before because, you know, I couldn't get by without uh, bringing it up. So many people wanted me to talk about this with you. They wanted me to ask you and kind of have you walk us through what really, like, the situation was and how that transpired, if you uh, don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I read or heard an interview recently with him that did upset me because it wasn't true. Um, but I'll walk you through my version of the event. I flew to Washington, D.C., where everybody from the show arrived, and then we all flew on one flight to South Africa. And there were several older people to me, like Anissa, Tanya, uh, Ace. You know, and I got to know everybody on the flight, but CT, for some reason, I don't know why, just, like, never introduced himself to me during the flight, so we never spoke the whole flight to South Africa. And then when we got to South Africa, 
he started drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels pretty much all by himself and got himself very and got into a wrestling match with Kenny, which he lost and started bleeding. And I think that made him angry. And I was sitting down playing chess with Abram. And the first conversation I have with CT is after he's gotten drunk and angry and he walks up to me and he's like, you're the gay guy, right? And I said, yes. And then he goes, can you take a punch? And I said, sure. Assuming it was going to be in my shoulder or my chest. And then he punched me in the face. And then Johnny Bananas saw it and came over. And I was like crying because it hurt me. And I went into the bathroom to look at my face and it was like swollen. And then they quickly kicked him off the show. Now, I read or saw on, like, Reddit recently a thread about that fight, and there was an interview with him where it said I came on to him, which wasn't true, and that upset me because I wasn't attracted to him and didn't like him as a person, so that's why I didn't come on to him. Like, I didn't think he was a nice person, um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know why he's kind of changing it up unless he's trying to make himself look like, you know, a victim or less of a bad guy in this situation by adding that to the story. But that part is not accurate. Wow. Why, why do you feel like, I mean, I don't want to make assumptions or anything because, I mean, that was years ago and, you know, I can't speak for, you know, his motives. But do you feel like, you know, your sexuality or, you know, your views maybe is what caused him to uh, do that? Because I could have sworn, I someone on my podcast said, you know, previously, like, I think he's got a cousin or something that's, like, gay, so that would be a little, uh, you know, surprising if that was the reason. Well, I was being told immediately after by the different people on the show, like, oh, there's a rumor that he's hooked up with guys before, he himself is gay, he's bisexual, for example, and that maybe he saw that in me and was picking on me because of it. Like, you know, you hear that happens often where the bully of the gay guy later on comes out in his later life as being gay himself, and he apologizes, you know, for bullying the openly gay person in his school. So I took it as that was a possible possible thing. I mean, I don't know for a fact that he had sex with guys, but that was what people were telling me the next day on the show after it happened to me. So that became my theory. Wow. And um, so you did your two other shows with him, too, though, right? What was uh, like? What was the dynamic? Because obviously the next one, he fought Adam on the first night. So you yeah. probably so think that, that angered me because I feel like the TV show put me and other people in a position of being hurt by him after he's shown violence towards me. And I was like, how can they put us together again unless they want me to get hit again and then thankfully it wasn't me that time it was someone else but I felt bad because he really greatly hurt Adam and again was kicked off for hitting someone Um, I just thought they were putting themselves in some kind of legal liability for doing that and on my third challenge, I can't remember if he was on it or not maybe he was but I don't was That was when he was with uh, Adam Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was on there for such a short period of time, I don't remember if he was or wasn't there, but, okay, yeah. I remember I went up against Wes and Kenny as my, um, like, people that I chose to, or maybe they chose to go against me, but we lost, me and Tyree lost to Wes and Kenny. How long did um, elimination last? Um, like, time-wise? Yeah, like how long would you say it went on for? It was like some tug-of-war challenge that I thought me and Tyree might win because Tyree was just a bigger guy than either any or Wes, but we lost. Um, it seemed like it went quick, though, like maybe less than an hour, maybe more than 20 minutes. Yeah, maybe even less than 20. I don't know. looked like it was a pretty tough fight. I mean, you know, Tyree's a big guy, but Kenny and Wes are just like... You know they're 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 wired for these things, you know. So it's not it's not one of those losses where like you could really like hang your hat on, you know. Yeah, 
so that that show reminds me of something where I felt kind of there's been definitely definitely times when these shows where people have been like oh they'll make a promise and then they break it and then you lose the friendship hurts because of it because uh Jen and I had a pact on our first challenge the inferno that we did where as she was on real world Denver and I was on real world Denver so I was like I will never vote for you if you will never vote for me so I held up to that and then on my very first week of being on the challenge she doesn't tell me this in person but i watch it on tv she votes my name in to go in to go home and i was like wow okay and so those kind of moments like hurt because you're like wow this person made a promise to me but then didn't keep it and wes was another example of that like me and wes sort of bonded prior to the rivals where we were both in miami we, we, the show Rivals filmed in Costa Rica, and they flew everyone to Miami, and then we flew from Miami to Costa Rica. And I think me and Wes arrived a few days early to just kind of experience and enjoy Miami. So we were spending time, and, like, me and Wes went out to some bars together, and this was my first time ever meeting Wes. I had already met Johanna and befriended her, and I'd met Lacey. Um, and I'd met Danny, and I'd met Melinda, so, like, Wes was, like, probably one of the last people from his cast that I'd never met. So it was my first time meeting Wes, and we're really getting to know each other and becoming friends, and I felt like he was my ally, and I was his ally. And then we get there for Rivals, and then he immediately picks me and uh, to go up against and to send me home. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not your, you're not my ally. Like, so that show can definitely, like, mess with your friendships with these people you know well i mean i've heard that too i mean people say some things like oh we're to do this we're to do that and then like once they get on the show like a whole different like you know side of them is uh shown that which you don't even like recognize from seeing off the show practically but um yeah. do you feel like that was the case with wes like once you guys you know got on the show like pretty much everything that had happened prior with you guys was like expunged because he felt like he had to like put on like a certain uh you know persona because he does have like a little bit of a villain type i guess you could say like mastermind uh character on these things yeah. well this year i for the first time i met a girl this year who was on survivor and i realized i had never watched it before so after meeting her i was like i'm gonna go sit down and watch it and i binge watched like two seasons of it the ones that were on netflix and I loved it. And I loved the strategy because people were basically backstabbing each other in even harsher ways than the, the real world challenges seem to do. But I realized that in a way that they have to do that in order to win the show. And it gave me like a bit of forgiveness to anybody who ever backstabbed me on the real world road rules challenges because it's it, at the end, it is a game and you're there to win. So if you're, if you're there to, you know, make friends and, you know, then you're not going to win the show. So I think I've kind of like forgiven anybody that did me wrong on those shows because I realized that that was their own way to, to win. That's what, the, that's what you're there for. So. Do, do you forgive, uh, you know, you know, the CT situation? Like, cause I mean, you guys went on two other shows after the, were there no conversations or, you know, acknowledgements well, on his end for you? My issue with CT is that like, He's never once came up to me and said, hey, bro, sorry for hitting you. And my sister and my close girlfriend were at clubs and he was doing appearances. And they walked up to him and was like, hey, I'm Davis's sister or, hey, I'm Davis's friend. And he told each of these girls, like, hey, can you tell Davis I, I feel bad and tell him sorry? So I got an apology through my sister and through my friend one time. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I mean, it's nice to see that he's apologizing. But then this year on Reddit, when I read that he was twisting or changing the story to sound like I had come on to him, that's when I suddenly got angry again because he was basically just lying to like make himself look like, oh, he, I deserve to get hit by him. Um, so now I have a different you know, feeling about it. Wow. So, um, another fight, though, which was more of, like, a comical one than anything. I don't think it, it aired, but this was from the duel, too. Um, you and Dunbar got into it a little bit. I think there was, like, a short clip on YouTube. It didn't uh, make the final cut, but what was, uh, what was the stem of why you and Dunbar you know, into it? You know what? I actually, so I'm dating a guy, and he wanted to watch me on the challenge. So I went on YouTube and typed in 
my name and found that clip with Dunbar and so I don't know when it was uploaded and I don't know like how long it's been online but I was I watched it so the fact that you're bringing it up is funny because I literally watched it a week ago and as I was watching it I was like I don't remember this fight at all like I think I was drunk and I told you I black out so things I did when I was drunk and blacked out I sometimes don't remember so literally don't remember it at all like I don't remember what caused it or why it happened I watched it with brand new eyes I also was like I don't think this aired in this episode so this must have been something someone found and just like leaked from you know shit they don't show but I, and to be honest, I didn't even know that he and I got in a fight so much that if I saw him today, I would probably go up to him and give him a hug and be like, Dunbar, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you? <laughs> I literally didn't remember that we ever fought, like, at all. And I and I generally liked him because he and I are both from the sort of the same part of the country. Like, I'm from Georgia. I believe he's from Mississippi, maybe, or Alabama. Um, so he just reminds me of, like, the kind of people I grew up around. And I think of him as a nice, good guy really do not know why we were fighting, and I found it super funny to watch it and be like, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So from the sounds of it, if you guys were to ever, uh, you know, bump into each other, I don't take it that you would, uh, you know, cut his breath off. <laughs> no, I've, I've got no issues. I, I really liked him, and totally, I think that that was, I mean, it was. I was clearly drunk. I think he was drunk. I don't know why we were fighting. I don't remember ending that show with, like, a I hate Dunbar attitude at all. If I had to think back on what was going on in my life at that time, I think he and Kimberly from Real World Hollywood were hooking up or were dating, and she had become one of my good friends. So if I had any, like speculation as to what was going on i was probably taking her side on like their relationship failing i think i think paula might have been a stem of it too though because i think you could see her in the she was was sitting next to me and i I think i probably was just like taking sides in an issue where like i was taking her side but i can't remember what led to the fight or what we were even fighting over yeah so who would you say uh, were, like, some of the people you gravitated towards um, or still hold, like, in high regard from, uh, you know, your time on shows? Maybe maybe outside of your real-world castmates, like, who else would you feel like maybe from the, just the challenges would you hold in high regard? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I really like Ace Emerson because he's from Georgia and so am I. And I was on the good guys team with him. And he's just an overall good person. Um I loved DM Brown. She's also from Georgia. She and I have, uh, we grew up in about 10 minutes away from each other, but never met. I'm from Marietta, Georgia, and she's from Roswell, Georgia, which is like about a 15 to 20 minute drive. And her um, sorority sister is my mom's best friend's daughter. So she and I got like connected through this girl prior to my very first real world challenge in dm and i were emailing each other before meeting in real life and i was telling her hey i just finished the real world i'm about to go do the real world road rules challenge for the first time and she had just finished doing fresh meat one and she told me this tip she's like be careful of coming across too cocky on the show because they love to pair a a scene of you failing with a clip of you being really cocky so I was like, okay. So I, I, I kept that. I kept myself from ever looking like an idiot by doing that exact thing. And I appreciated her for that. And then later on, she and I got paired up to do a college speech together. And she gave this inspirational speech about how if there's a dream you have, find someone who's accomplished it, ask them the steps they took to get there, and then find a way to you know copy those steps. She had a dream of being kind of a Katie Couric-like person, like a news reporter. And I think by hearing her say that that influenced my own dream with my music career and then when she passed away i was in a songwriting session that day and was like guys i lost a friend of mine today can we write a song in her honor and we did and we wrote one called beautiful girls dm song so she left a big you know mark on my life with the show and um tori hall tori fiorenza who dated and married brad fiorenza she's a close friend that lives here in nashville and like last summer she and uh, I went like rafting together down the Tennessee rivers and she has two boys from Brad. And so I went with her kids rafting and then 
I like to go geode hunting, which is like where you go out and find like amethysts or you know rocks that are crystals in the wild. So I took her and her boys to go find some. And I thought that was a special moment, you know, being with her and Brad's kids. I was actually at her wedding. And wow. I think Johanna is a super sweet girl from real world Austin. I last saw her when I was in London. Uh, she's living there now as an actress. And she's married and has a son. And she's sort of redefined herself. And, and Mike Manning is a close friend of mine. I, I always see Mike whenever I go to L.A. I've you know, met his husband. Uh, I was actually trying to link up with him just last weekend. I was in L.A. last weekend with my boyfriend. We were trying to do a double date moment, but his boyfriend, his husband got sick and so we didn't meet up but i usually do either stay at mike's house or see him go out with him when i'm in la um there's a lot of people though i mean there's really good people karamo is a friend of mine from the show i saw karamo during world pride in new york um last i'm trying to think but there's, there's tons of great people from different seasons that i've made friends with Yeah. Yeah, Johanna, Mike, Tori, they've all been on the show before. Tori and actually uh her and um Brooke actually are really close. Wait, Brooke and who? Brooke and Tori are actually uh really close off the show. Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean me and Brooke and Tori all live in Nashville and I think we're the only ones here. Uh I could be wrong about that, but so the three of us have like I think it was Tori's birthday. Me and Brooke went together to her birthday. Um, and then, I mean, Brooke, I see literally almost every week. Or I talk to her almost every day. Like, she's the only cast member from my show that I'm that close with. I literally talk to her. Would you say that your uh, favorite moment from uh, one of your challenges was your elimination with Danny? Because going into it, at least, I mean, Danny was like, you know, had really high expectations at that point coming off of, uh, you know, his real world. Like he was pretty much seen as like what pretty much what John. I'd say like a lot expected Danny to kind of fill those. Um, I've got bad service again, but I think I heard your question. Um, can you hear me clearly, though? Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Sorry. You can, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I heard your question was about Danny, but I didn't hear the end. Yeah, I was uh, I was asking if um, your elimination with Danny, because he actually had a lot of, uh, you know, expectations. He had a really memorable real world. He was kind of uh, seen as like the man in a way. And then uh, you kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of what was seen as an upset at the time. Was that uh, your favorite moment from, uh, you know, your challenge? Yeah, on that challenge, I was picked to go in every week. And a lot of that was because I was the new guy. And another, I think I was like kind of skinnier than some of the other guys too. So in some challenges, being skinny was made me kind of easier to beat. And that challenge with Danny being like skinnier was actually an advantage for me because it was a running challenge. So I was able to outrun him. Um, but then later on, I lost to Derek, and it was a tackling challenge. So it was more about like whoever was bigger was going to win, you know. And I, I was on I played football in high school, and one of my least favorite activities was this one where you had to stand back to back to a guy, and a whistle was blown, and then you had to turn around and face each other and tackle each other to the ground. And like something about that is still sort of traumatic to me. So that challenge with Derek reminded me of that football exercise where you had to just like run after someone, tackle them. I don't like getting hit. I really like childhood trauma. Don't like getting hit. So when I had to tackle Derek, I think I always got up to him and like hesitated, like kind of held back instead of just pushing hard and like really hitting him hard. 
So I lost eventually to Derek um, because it was the tackling challenge. But yeah, the one to Danny was running, so I just and I outran him. What would you uh, rank your challenges in terms of like you know personal favorite and like how much you enjoyed them from uh, you know least to greatest? What would you say out of the three challenges you did? Well, I, I think the New Zealand challenge, the dual two, I got through pretty harmless in the sense that I wasn't punched by anyone. I really enjoyed the cast and I loved the geography. Like after I left New Zealand, I was like, I want to retire here someday. It's so peaceful and beautiful. Um, so maybe that would be a one. My third for sure is the rivals in Costa Rica. I didn't enjoy that. I was just so over it. And the first one I did, the Inferno 2, I guess would be right in the middle. I liked the cast. I liked being in South Africa. I got punched in the face, so it had a negative aspect for me though. Uh, I went the furthest, though. I was there until the final week of filming, and then I was the last guy to go home for the final uh, episode. That was, like, my best record. So so do you have any uh, potential upcoming plans or uh, projects for the rest of the year that you want to uh, quickly gloss over? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I released a second album... So in 2017, I released my first album. It was called Loud. Uh, and it's called Loud because the song on the album was the first time I ever had a song signed to a record label. French DJ Cedric Gervais, he remixed Summertime Sadness by Lana Del Rey. He, uh, he signed my song Loud. And so I released an album around that song. And then this year, another French DJ actually called Retrovision uh, signed my song Little Victory to... Don Diablo's record label, which is called Hexagon, and it came out in December of 2020. So I released a second album called Little Victory. Um, and it's just a collection of music I've written over the last two or three years. Most, most of it was written in Sweden. Some of it was in Germany and, and then in Nashville. And so I spent the start of this year in Miami because I hired a music publicist based in Miami, and I did an album release party in Miami at a club. And uh, yeah, this start of the year was like focused on the Little Victory album and the second half of the year now is just back to performing again I've been booked to play at Miami Pride and uh, I'm doing that virtual Pride in Las Vegas and touring again like I've got a bunch of jobs DJing and singing for the rest of this year and then I've, I've got an album maybe it's going to be an EP I wrote a song called Back to the 80s and I, I'm either going to call my third album Back to the 80s or it's going to just be a short kind of like a, what do they call it? Like a, uh, Single? Uh, an album. Well, I was sort of thinking of like when you have, when you, a concept album. So it'll be a concept album in the sense that all the music will be 80s themed. And I have a music video director chosen for the song. Uh, and we're going to make this music video that sort of re- re- revisits old 80s movies. And I will like reenact these moments. Um, but yeah, and then I've been, I've, uh, the song Heavy on my album features an all LGBT artist, uh, cast. It features a, a really talented vocalist named Blake Leader and a rapper named Daisha McBride. And we're planning this July to make a music video for that song, um, in Nashville and then Reverie, which is a kind of like Netflix, but everything on it is queer content. Reverie is gonna, uh, sort of like debut or host the con the music video, so that is a project that's on the horizon. Um, I just shot I just shot a music video in Las Vegas, and I'm waiting to get back the footage for. And I shot a music video in Miami during February. The song's called Lifeline, and it's for people that are dealing with addictions or suicide, or um, even if you're a witness of human trafficking, like sex trafficking. We want to end the video with different hotline numbers or resources, and we shot a music video in Miami, uh, kind of having people in, reenact different moments of despair or addiction, and I'm waiting on that video to be edited, and then those are the next two, like, video projects I'll be pushing out throughout the year, so. So, yeah, music videos, touring, music, that's, like, my life. And then I'm, I'm dating a guy, and he's from Venezuela, but he lives in Miami. So I've been spending a lot of time in Miami. 
Wow. Dude, that's awesome. I, uh, I'll be sure to uh, link and share all that stuff uh, once, because uh, I'm following you, obviously, like once I just know that it's out. And um, you, know, you seem to be having a great year thus far. I hope that uh, things go well for you the rest of the year. And um, thank you again for uh, taking the time to do this. I had a pleasure chatting with you. A lot of fun. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for dealing with my technical sound <laughs> issues as I drive from you know Tennessee to Georgia. But I appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate you. Nice to talk with you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Take care. You too. Bye.